All right, so we have been doing a series called Awaken, which is um, awakening to the things God wants us to see, opening our eyes up and, and, and waking up to the things God wants to see. And today, I'm stoked to announce we're talking about money. <laughs> Money's the kind of thing that when someone says that in church, you have that Vegemite face. You know that when you just eat too much Vegemite or the, the soy face, you're like, Oh, money? Really? Do we have to talk about that? Well, we actually do have to talk about it because it's really, really important because of the place money has in our lives. Like, money is just something, it's the currency that so much of the quality of our life in Western world revolves around, whether it should or not, that's how it is. And if we don't allow God to speak to us about money, our money will speak to us about our God's. So if we don't allow God to speak to us about our money, our money will speak to us about our gods. Now, Proverbs, if you've ever opened opened the book of Proverbs and had a read of the book of Proverbs, it's chock full of Proverbs about money and how to use money and what to do with it. So it says, don't chase after it in Proverbs 23. It says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off in the sky like an eagle. So actually what is written, right? So Solomon is having a blast and he's like, oh, and, and add this, and add this. This is going to be great. They're going to love it. He talks about how um, to wisely handle your money in Proverbs eleven twenty four: Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. This isn't the message translation, right? This is like NIV. Be stingy, lose everything. Um, it, say, it, say, it talks about that money doesn't really help us when it comes to the most important matters of life. In Proverbs 11.4, it says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers us from death. And then we're told what to do with our money in Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due when it is your power to do it. There's more than a hundred other proverbs in the book of Proverbs on money alone, right? So it's chock-a-block full. It's like God's version of Barefoot Investor. But he wrote it first and he's outsold Scott Pape about a million to one. Um, but if you're thinking, what is the Barefoot Investor? If you want an excellent Australian resource on how to use your money well, the Barefoot Investor will help you get there after you read the book of Proverbs. That's right. So we've got to talk about money. We've got to wrestle with it because it holds the potential for so much of our worry and so much of our concern um, because we have these massive questions like, how do I put a roof over my head? How do I put food on the table? How do I afford education for my kids? How do I keep the car on the road? How do I get out of debt? How do I stay out that how do I spend within my means how do I accumulate a sufficient enough super fund and so on these are really important questions and these questions if we allow them to can ravish us they can drive us so crazy to the point that all we worry about and think about is how we gain enough money just to live therefore I tell you Jesus said not me it's gonna be way wiser than me Matthew 6 25 do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more life is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Has anyone had success at that yet? Just adding one hour just for a bit of worry? Yes. It usually is the opposite effect, hey. It kind of depletes the lifespan. But seek first 
God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the alternative that Jesus paints for us. It's this different picture, this different story that he invites us into. He's like, there's a way to do life without worry. Come join me in it. I'll teach you. I'll show you. I'll explain how it works. So how does that story become ours? How do we experience this alternative? Because at times it sounds really good, right? Like a life free of worry, especially life free about worry about money. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. How do, we, how do we do it? How do we worry less about money and stuff? Well, it helps to understand why we worry. And I'm about to tell you the reason why you all worry, if you do, about money. Here it is. You ready? You weren't expecting such insights today at church, were you? This is going to blow your mind, right? The reason you are worried about money is because you think it's yours. It's not. You, you think your money's yours and that's why you worry about it, but it's not yours. It's God's. And God has said, oh, I'm going to lend it to you. And you invest it. You use it as you see fit. You, you use it on the things that are important. It actually belongs to me, but I, I want to share what I have with you. So Paul, when he was writing to Timothy in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, says these interesting words. He's talking to Timothy, who's a pastor, young pastor of a church, And this is his instruction about how Timothy should lead the church. He says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. See, he was a pastoral pastor, was that? Uh Just tell them not to be arrogant. In fact, command them, um, which is so uncertain. So don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Everything. Like everything. God can only provide everything if it's his to start off with. God can only say, don't worry about money. Don't worry about pursuing wealth and riches. If he has the riches and the wealth to provide you with, so you don't need to worry about the more. Paul goes on. Timothy, next verse. This is verse 18. It says, command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And what Paul is basically saying to Timothy to communicate to his church, the desire for more wealth causes us to look to us and what we can achieve and look into our lives and become introspective and just focus in on here But the command of the gospel is to look outside. It's to look away from ourselves and to others. So looking in means we'll worry about ourselves. How on earth am I going to financially survive? Where's the next paycheck come from? How are we going to do this? What do I do with these decisions of money? What do I do? Rather than looking out, God, what are you wanting me to trust you in? How do I move toward that? You see, the pursuit of wealth causes us to be more concerned with our lives than the lives of others. And when, there's, when we're more concerned with our lives than we are with the lives of others, we're more concerned with us than we are with God. See, how we think about money right now, we're not going to do a poll, but right now, how you think about money is a great indicator about how much you believe what Jesus has said to you. It's scary, isn't it? You say, oh, hang on, hang on, that's not quite true. Well, you can serve God or you can serve money, Jesus said. See, we worry about money because we think it's ours. 
which means using that money or stewarding that money comes becomes very difficult. So well, what do I do with all of my money? Like it's precious, I don't want to waste it, I've got to use it. Well, what do I do with this? But stewardship is how we choose to use the money we have. So when you hear that word stewardship, it's not just about money. It's about time or talents or relationships or your work or whatever. Stewarding is I've been given something to steward, to take care of, to use, to invest, to spend, to, to give. How do I do that? And the question of stewardship is answered in the question of lordship. So the question of stewardship is answered in the question of lordship. If Jesus is your Lord, it transforms the way you look at money. It transforms the way you think about money, about how you spend it and save it and invest it and use it and give it. If Jesus isn't Lord, then your money serves something else. And sometimes that's not even you. But Jesus reorientates us. He gradually, steadily, definitely reorientates our hearts through times like this. Through times when we, we spend some money. Through times when we sit in his word to think about money differently. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more your bank balance will belong to Jesus. It's really that simple. So I thought I should share, and Lyndall's out of the room, so I can basically say anything I like, um, about the next couple, last couple of years, about how this stuff's sort of played out in our lives and what it actually means. Um, so when we started Village, um, we wanted Village to be a blessing to anybody that came, anyone in the community that was going to come along. And so we, um, we put together a team, and that team said, and many of you are on that team, that team said, we're going to give to Village generously out of what God calls us to give so that the people that might come in, might be a part of our life, will never be asked to give money to something they've not yet spiritually invested themselves into right so that's kind of the missional heart of where we so we've never done an offering and when people sometimes people come up to me and say you you missed the offering today so no no no, we don't do an offering and so i it's funny now i have people asking if they can give money to the church i'm like that's that's never happened before though can you please take this i just feel god is yeah we can that's fine we can do that but our heart is to be for and to bless people where whatever um, space they're in. And so, you that are on team, give an enormous amount. You're so generous in what you give. And we want to say thank you. Or and I, uh, on behalf of Village, thank you for what you allow Village to do because of your generosity. So when we started Village, Lyndall and I had to make a decision. And the decision was, what, what do we give? What does that look like? And at the time, a lot of stuff was changing for us. So we knew that for Village to have the best chance of being sustainable meant I would go down to four days instead of five. So if, of my entire life, as long as I can remember, I've worked for five days a week full time. And I went down to four days a week. Um, Lyndall's work stayed the same, which was two days a week. Uh, Zara was going to kindy. But the big factor was we took on a mortgage. So when you're a United Church minister, you get a manse and you don't need to worry about a mortgage because you get a manse. And then when you step out of that, doing a silly thing called a church plan, you all of a sudden need a mortgage, right? So we're like, oh my gosh, a mortgage. This is horrible. And so, so we're like, how do we navigate this? How, what's most important? Well, the most important thing for us was Jesus. 
that Jesus has to be Lord of the situation. So like, how do we make Jesus Lord? How do we ensure Jesus is Lord? We want to give and we want to give more generously than we've given at New Life or any other church. So we've tithed for forever. Like it's just been part of the spiritual thing. So whether we were um, just lay people in a church or ministers or whatever that space looked like, we're just like, no, we tithe, bottom line. And so we thought we actually want to step into this space where, where we know before God that we're being generous to God, that it might, in fact, is likely that it's going to hurt on the other end, right? Because we've got this horrible thing called a mortgage. Ugh. And so, so we, we jumped into that. And I remember sitting at the computer with the direct debit thing up, you know, the bank page up and the figure written in and then the go button. I'm like, so I was like, oh, this, I'm not. I'm really not sure about this, but faith is meant to be this kind of leap. And I, I, oh, and I hit it. And what happens? Password, please. I'm going to go through it again. I'm like, oh, if it wasn't harder the first time. And so, 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 so it goes through. And so we go, we go then to, to four days a week. And there, there was a moment when we made that decision. And then I remember team meeting when we told the team, this is what we're going to do. Um, and someone from the team came to me and said, uh, it just it was so loving and so caring. They said, "Are you sure? Like, are you you sure? Because you, you could go full time, and we'll see what happens. Are you, are you sure about this? I I really feel this is what God's calling us to do. Like, we're trusting in Jesus. It was so loving that they would they would do that. And so we we went for it. And the very next day after the team meetings, the team meetings maybe on a Tuesday night or Monday night or whatever. Very next day, the phone rings, and on the other end is Brendan Burgess, and Brendan's the principal of New Life College, and he says. Oh, I don't know if you're able to, but we would love you to come and do some lecturing for New Life College and we'll pay you. It's like, get out of town. That's amazing. And so since that, that, that moment in time, um, through that and a few other creative ventures, there's been enough income coming in. So then, about six months ago, I can't remember exactly, but maybe six months ago, we felt challenged again by the Spirit to, to re-look at what we were giving to Village and increase it. And I remember at a team meeting, I generously challenged you with the same thing. It's like, surely this challenge wasn't just for Lyndall and I. If you guys would like to sort of seek God on this and do that, that'd be wonderful. And so we did that, and we, we increased our giving, um, and, and we, we felt God was asking us to. And yet, since... Even before then, since that first decision, there was never a moment when we've worried about money. And I look at it, I know all the figures, and I don't understand how there's more money left in the bank account at the end of the month. I'm like, I don't get it. And I know, I look, I look math, so I know all the figures, I just don't understand how it happens that God has looked after us. So, so we make that decision, talk about the team meeting, no kidding. The next day, um, I enter into a conversation about running a church plan, what's called an incubator. An incubator is tertiary education, so it's, um, it's uni education, it's an intensive for four days in a semester. And, um, and I thought this is a great opportunity for me to learn, for already to be part of that, and for us to bless and help other church planners that are kind of in the same space. And so we launched into it, we jumped into it, um, and that was all good. And I said to the guys a couple of, uh, like maybe the last one, I said, um, I don't get paid for this. This is, I, like, I don't do this because I'm paid. I just feel God was saying, do it. Like, um, let's, let's just be part of it. So I'm kind of I'm teaching in that and I'm teaching the, um, the New Life College, doing village, life's a bit full. And email comes on, uh, start of this week, start of this week, email comes through from the administrator of City to City. They run the incubator. And, and the administrator has been on maternity leave for nine months. That's right. No, well, about that, but whatever. Um, anyway, 
So, so yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, she's back on board. She's administrating it. And she's looking at the, the guy who runs it and going, oh, I think there's a couple of gaps. I'll fix up the, the gap. So she writes to me and she says to me, could you tell me what the arrangement was that you made with the coordinator about how much they're paying you for lecturing? And I wrote back, I said, there's been absolutely no conversation, but I would absolutely welcome that conversation. And that is now, it's sort of, you know, <laughs> you know when the rubber hits the road and the correspondence gets a more, like, more time between gaps? I was hoping I'd have a resolution to what the story looks like. But it's looking really like that they'll back pay me from the start of that, which the decision was made the day after we'd made the call to give. And I'm like... My whole life reflects this pattern of when I trust Jesus, he never leaves me going, oh, I've got nothing. And it's not always about money, but about his presence and his fulfillment and the things he brings into our lives because the question of stewardship is answered in the question of lordship. When I was 18, I remember sitting on a, it was a grassy car park. We're sitting there with the, um, a Bible study of young people. And I made the decision there as I felt just a, a really... Um, significant encounter with the Holy Spirit, I made the decision that I'd never let money run my life, that I wanted Jesus to be Lord of my life and how whatever worked out of that, it was because of this decision. Who your Lord is determines how you steward that which you have. Now, Lyndall and I are not excellent at it. We, 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 there's so many times when we go, oh, we should be more generous. We should think more in this line. That It's like, it's like we go, there is so far to go to what you would go, that's a picture of generous perfection. But what we tend to think is it's that one step at a time. Like how, how do you ensure that this decision is more about Jesus and what Jesus wants than us? And I wish, I wish that framework infected every decision we made. It doesn't yet. But the hope is that it will more and more and more. That this understanding of what we do with our money isn't because it's our money. It's because God has said, I'm going to give it this much to you. And I want you to be empowered to use it to do the things you know are important to me. And you're important to you. Remember Paul's words to Timothy? He said, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth. And then he says, command them to do good to be rich in deeds and generous and willing to share. And as I read those, that passage, the, the word that jumps out to me is that word command. I don't do commands well. Have you guys been commanded to do something recently and they went, oh, that sounds great. Chris, you give a few commands in your work and there'll be a few opportunities where people will push back on that, I imagine. This word command is a really interesting word. It's, it's a Greek word, pangelo, um, and the NIV translates it as command. The NIV was written in 1974, no, 1978, sorry, that's 40 years ago, no, no, 1978, 40 years ago, um, when Christendom and church attendance looked very different. And so the, the, the translations we have of the scripture are largely informed by the culture of the day. That's why we don't read the King James Version anymore, like in church, because the culture it was developed in is so far from our culture um, that it loses something of what the Word of God can speak to us. So it was written in 1978, 40 years ago, when people went to church and they were expected to give 10%. It was basically commanded of them. And back then, people accepted commands. They went, yeah, well, if that's what the church said, if that's what the priest said or the pastor said or whatever, I'm going to do it. That's what we do. Nowadays, we don't work 
in a command-orientated culture. And our understanding of command doesn't work. Now, so, so then what do we do with this verse? What do we do with this annoying word, pan, panarangelo? Sounds like a lolly, doesn't it? Panarangelo. Um, and this interpreted as command. Well, what's fascinating is that word is also lends itself. It, it can also be interpreted as the word invitation. So when they were writing the scriptures, they're like, it's best captured in our culture as command. And when we read a, a, a version that's 40 years old, we need to go, hang on. What's God saying? And one of the other words that you can ease, like you can, in, with integrity, substitute in there is this invitation. So Paul says to Timothy, invite those who are rich in the present world, not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Invite them to do good, to be rich in deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. We're invited by Jesus away from pursuing our wealth toward trusting in him. He invites us. He says, come join me. Leave that behind. I'll take care of you. We're invited to, to give it away and worry less about it than to have our, our hopes rise and fall on our wealth. We're invited away from ourselves and toward God. We're invited away from thinking about our lives to thinking about the lives of others who God points us towards. And so I thought to wrap up and to wrap our heads around this whole thing, we'd do a really fun exercise that has nothing to do with actual exercise. It's going to be great. What I want you to do is jump into groups of two or three and for five minutes... I want you to answer this following question. It's an interesting question. Here's the question. What would Jesus' budget look like in 2018 if he had the same resources you do? What would Jesus' budget look like in this day and age if he had the same resources you do? This isn't a conversation where you need to share what your bank balance is or where the money's come, all that. But just like if he lived in your life now and he had your stuff, would he use it any differently to how you would use it? All right, so jump into groups of two or three. Um, and you can even do this like in, in like married couples, if that works. Like, don't feel free. Like, it might be really interesting. You don't have to. Um, uh, let's do that for five minutes. Groups of two or three, go for it. All right. How was that experience for you? Hopefully there's no, like, um, marital difficulties that have sprung out of that. We'll pray afterwards down here if you need some prayer. Um, any, um, any insights that you either heard or shared or thought about that you're like, oh, I'd never really thought about this? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So you know, different priorities. But it's an interesting one about insurance. You'd be like, <laughs> you have little faith. Have you seen some of the drivers on the Gold Coast, Jesus? Like, come on. Um, any others? Any other thoughts? In- insights? Things you heard? Paul? Instead of who Jesus would use our prophetic abilities to hit the stock market, raise money, raise money for village, <laughs> build a village high rise. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. The other serious summary was that uh, our houses would probably be full of people, our food would be constantly distributed, that kind of thing. So, lots of community, yeah, and no big fences, yeah. Talked about how we often have high fences around our house, but Jesus wouldn't. He'd know all his neighbours. He would invite them over for meals. He'd be a good cook. He'd have a community garden. <laughs> and he, yeah, we, he wouldn't have insurance. We talked about that. He'd completely have faith. And we talked about cars. Like he probably wouldn't own a car. He'd probably um, catch public transport to catch um, meet up with people, and he would walk and. Um, there's a fair few snack runs that happen after dinner during the week in the Zaka household. Um, I know that there's other families this happens in, t- <laughs> but uh, something simple that uh, we thought of was that we could uh, cut that out and redirect the additional spending that happens there uh, into having a bit of a surplus for being hospitable and inviting more people over and, and, and hosting people. To share in those snacks at the end of the day. <laughs> it's party of the Zackers. Epic. Anyone else? Liv? Um, we were just talking about how he probably wouldn't have like a savings, like um, just put a bit aside just in case. Like, um, and if he's and if we're going out for dinner and we're like, oh, we'll shout these people. We'll probably think, oh, do I have enough money? Do I? What do I need for it this week? Where he'll just not doubt, he'll just do it. Um, yeah, so those kind of things. Anyone A good seller. Be full of bottles of water. you like, watch this. Pantry, just be bread and fish. you like, really? You're just showing off. Alright, here's, here's the sting. You ready? If, um, if your money actually belongs to Jesus, then his budget belongs to you. So if, if he has all the money that he's parting to you, then the budget that he would use is the budget that he wants us to use. So what if we were to start to swap our budgets with what we think Jesus' budget would be? What if we would start to swap our money habits with what we think Jesus' money habits would be? What, what would happen if we start, started swapping our money principles with Jesus' money principles? Now, we need to be careful because we are each not the Son of God. We're just following the Son of God. So we need to be wise. We need to hold in balance all the things from Proverbs. But the step we want you to take this week is to start mulling on that question. Like Corey shared. It's an easy win of like, oh, yeah, wow. I think Jesus will redirect. And we were talking about, you probably have, like, I think there's another group said, that people round all the time. Like, there'd be 
there'd be a, a house of hospitality. It'd be just come and be part of this. Um, so, so we just want you to pray through that question, think through that question. What if that's what, what, what changes would it mean for us? You remember I said before, I said it's it really you just see this perfect picture of generosity. It's just this one step after another of trusting in Jesus. Of saying, Jesus, I'm just, this, this might hurt a bit. This might be a bit challenging. This might be a bit scary. But I'm going to take this step towards you because you meet me not only with finances but with your presence and with what you want to do in my life. Um, so let's pray and then we'll, um, we'll wrap up. Jesus, um, you, you talk about money so much because I think you saw the grip that it can have on us, that it can just be debilitating. It can starve us of the oxygen of your spirit. It can plague us and sit so heavy on our shoulders because we live in a world that, that accepts and relies on this currency of money. And yet, Lord, you've come to save us from that. You've come to present us with a new pattern, so not to conform to the patterns of this world, but to conform to your pattern. And so, Lord, by the voice of your Spirit this week, lead us. Help us to see things we have not seen before, to make decisions that we've not made before. Help us to step out in faith, to pursue you and meet us in those steps, meet us in that action. Set us free from our, our, our chasing and pursuit of wealth, and may we be free into the things you call us to be. And God, use us as we, we've talked about money. The reason we talk about it is that we will wake up to the things you want us to see, that we'll be a more vibrant and thriving witness to this world, that people would see you in it. And so when people ask us about this weekend, Lord, may we not be shy. May we say we talked about money in church. And that'll be a conversation that gets people chatting. So Lord, be with us. Strengthen us, give us the faith and the courage required to make these and other difficult decisions and lead us forward from this place, we pray in your powerful name. Amen.